0: Hey, Will, like I normally do, I just want to take a moment to tell our listeners to make sure they hit us up on social, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, wherever you might see us. Make sure you're sending us something. Also, you can email us directly at AppalachiaMeetsWorld at gmail.com. If you get a moment, shoot us a line, give us some feedback. Yeah, and wherever you listen to the podcast, make sure you subscribe to Appalachian Meets World. It just helps our podcast, but it also helps you know when we're releasing a new episode.
1: The Germans learned from the Native Americans and how it kind of passed some of those on to to the, if you want to call it that, the, that culture, too. And it was just, that's always from a naturalist standpoint, that's really what I.
0: Appalachian Meets World, a podcast about place and perspective, but always Appalachian. And don't forget, Will, tonight's episode is powered by SOAR, shaping our Appalachian region. If you're an entrepreneur out there, especially in eastern Kentucky, check them out. Appalachian Meets World. We're back. It's Will and Neil. What's up, brother? What's going on? Just enjoying. Appalachian life this time of year. Appalachian life. We talked last week about the birds chirping. They're they're starting to chirp a whole lot more. You know what else is out? What's that? Along with the birds, skunks. (laughs) The skunks find you again? The skunks, I think you know, sprayed my dog not too long ago. We're still trying to recover from that. But every morning when I'm out with him, I smell them. I don't know if it's mating season or what, but they're out. <laughs> is there a skunk mating season? That's probably a great question. That's a good question for Siri. <laughs> hey, Siri, is there a skunk mating season? <laughs> oh, whoops, Siri just popped up.
1: <laughs> Skunks are mammals in the
0: family Mephitidae. They are known for their ability to spray a liquid with a strong, unpleasant scent from their anal glands. All right, Siri, that's enough. <laughs> okay, that's way really too much. Anyway, yeah, I'd rather hear the birds chirping than the skunk smelling. You know, I saw something on my news feed recently. I I know you had boys, but you know the American Girl dolls? Oh, yeah. 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 American Girl dolls have these historical dolls. Yeah. And they've they've often been from the 1800s, from the Victorian era, just way back, you know, even from the early 1900s. But they just released a historical doll from the 90s, calling it historical from 1999. It feels like yesterday for me. Yeah. the, The 90s. Making me really old. I know. But really, it was like 30 years ago, 25, 30 years ago. So these two dolls, they have things like the Tamagotchi. I don't know if you remember those. They have an inflatable couch, a Pizza Hut booket coupon. Remember those? When I think of pizza, I think of the cups. They, they used to have these booket coupons every time you bought a pizza, but uh, but also desktop computers with these huge CD ROMs with dial-up modem noises. There's dogs are called Blossom and Buffy. They like the spice girls and grunge skateboarding it's just like nostalgia but like it's weird to me because it seems like a lot of those things are coming back now and it's trendy to be a a 90s child yeah i guess i guess that's part of part of aging will (laughs) (laughs) i I, I guess so but enough about american girls (laughs) you got any app news because i'm sure that uh The American Girl Dolls did not fall under the App News category. Yeah, that was definitely not App News. I do have some App News. I have a lot of App News today. I'm going to run through it pretty quickly that works for you. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. So, you know, we mentioned SOAR a lot, shaping our Appalachia region. They got a few things going on this month and next. Uh, They have a grant workshop coming up March 9th and 10th uh, to help communities Better apply for grants and secure funding. It's in Moorhead, Kentucky at Moorhead State University, March 9th and 10th from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. If you're looking to write grants, it's really a good workshop for eastern Kentucky communities. So check that out. Also, you know, they want some funding in regards to Internet capacity. But they're having a free webinar. It's called Better Internet. Free webinar for the 54 Appalachian communities on Tuesday, next week, March 7th at 10 a.m. It's for local governments, community leaders, community organizations, and internet providers or any interested citizen that is interested in internet and what is coming to Eastern Kentucky. So you can check both of those out at soar-ky.com. Just go to their website and search for those two things. And the last thing from SOAR, they're having their first ever Eastern Kentucky Gala, like we do on this podcast, to celebrate Appalachia. It's the first one ever. ever. It's on April 29th at the the Mountain Arts Center in Prestonsburg, Kentucky. Just wanted to mention that. You can register for all of these on their website, soar-ky.org. SOAR is a great resource for anybody in in Appalachia, especially those of us in Eastern Kentucky. So uh, I hope you guys will visit their website and check that out. I wanted to mention, because he was on our show, Ted Olson, who is a Grammy Award winner for his work in music, especially in regards to bluegrass music. But he just wrote a piece in The Conversation, You can see it at theconversation.com. You can search for Ted Olson. But today, March 3rd, is Doc Watson's 100th birthday. And so he wrote an article in regards to Doc Watson, who was born in Stony Fork, North Carolina, Appalachia, part of North Carolina, fellow Appalachian. He wrote a good article on his historical significance and how significant he is today. So check that out. Also... Uh, the William King Museum of Art in Abington, Virginia, from now and from now until April se- 2nd. they have a curated exhibit called Black History in Appalachia and Beyond. It's curated by Emily Jordan. Again, it's at the William King Museum of Art in Abington, Virginia, and it really shows how Appalachia has influenced black artists throughout history and even today in contemporary art. You can check that out at the William King Museum of Art website. Um, And it's now through April 2nd. Another thing I wanted to mention, I know we had him on the show, Dr. Nathan Vanderford with the ACTION program. Uh, If you don't remember that, it's the Appalachian Career Training and Oncology program to help combat the high rates of cancer that we have in the Appalachia region, especially in Central Appalachia. I just wanted to mention that program again because applications are due Friday, April the 7th. They're now seeking undergraduates for the program. It's a really cool program for anybody in Eastern Kentucky or Central Appalachia that's interested in oncology or a career in cancer research. Two last items that I have. I know this is a lot but um, <laughs> yeah i mean you're killing the app news yeah, i, love I it. this one is really a cool and exciting thing that berea college is doing it's a special admissions initiative from berea college in a response to the flooding in eastern kentucky they are accepting nominated students berea will eliminate the application for admission expedite the decision review process and for those students who meet academic qualifications and will be admitted to Berea. The criteria, you have to be a high school senior impacted by the flooding in residents of Breathick, Clay, Floyd, Johnson, Knott, Leslie, Letcher, McGoffin, Martin, Owsley, Perry, Pike, Whitley, and Wolf, a GPA of 3.5 or higher, an ACT of 21 or higher, Financially eligible. And like I said, they'll eliminate the application process, they'll expedite the decision review, and they will guarantee a spot in the incoming class of Berea College. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, that is really neat. I actually saw something, else, something on that this week myself, Will, and glad you mentioned it. The last what? item that I have. I know we mentioned this last week, but it's the Voices of Appalachian Play Festival in Greenbar Valley Theater. I think last week we said it was in February. Well, it's in March, March 24th and 25th. I wanted to mention it because it really focuses on Appalachian voices. So it's 15 Appalachian voices that applied to be a part of this festival. But a quote that they have, Mountain living is just different from living anywhere else. We're secluded, yet united, quiet, but definitely not silent. Pride in that life in Appalachia is what this festival is all about. So it's all about celebrating Appalachia, dispelling the misconceptions in regards to stereotypes and just putting pride back into the fact that we're from Appalachia. So I think it's a pretty cool festival and idea and bringing the voices of Appalachia to the forefront.
1: For sure, man. Lots
0: going on in Appalachia. Glad to get my update on App News right here on Appalachia Meets World. So yeah, it's that time of year. Spring is sprung, a lot of things happening. And in regards to that voices of Appalachian Play Festival, you know, we on this podcast try to highlight the voices all throughout Appalachia, but also try to learn from others as well as our heritage can help others learn, which is Part of the reason why we're having our guest on tonight. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the conversation and learning a little bit more about this, Will. Also, hopefully I'll get an opportunity to suggest that they have you as a guest speaker. Tell our listeners who's coming on. Yeah, we have Foster Brown tonight. He's a naturalist at the Cleveland Metro Parks. So the Cleveland Metro Parks system, I'll let him explain that. But he is putting on what they are calling an Appalachian Lifestyles Camp this summer. And so while that might be a little outside the region, we want to hear from Foster to hear how Appalachian heritage, Appalachian history has influenced this camp and what the campers might learn. Yeah, it's interesting, Will, to know that there's a uh, Appalachian camp going on in Cleveland, Ohio is is outside of Appalachia. So I'm looking forward to to learning what Foster is trying to accomplish with this camp. Without further ado, do you just want to get him on here and let him talk all about it? Yeah, let's do it. Let's get into the questions.
2: You are here, I am here, we're all here together. Friends and neighbors gather close like birds of the same feather. Whether you are old or young, your hair is so pepper Clap your in the fun. Let's make our much better. Put on smile, while, up your shoes. Let down your hair, toss off the cares, and sing a song or two.
0: On today's episode, we have a guest from Northeast Ohio. It's Foster Brown. He's originally from North Manchester, Indiana, where he grew up on an 80-acre dairy farm. He is now a naturalist. And a historical interpreter for the Cleveland Metro Parks, where he has been since 1996. As a naturalist, he combines the arts with interpretation in presenting award winning music, storytelling, and characterizations to folks of Northeast Ohio. I mentioned his, his storytelling through song. You can find a lot of his music at Foster C. Brown. Dot com so foster we want to thank you for being a part of our show thanks for taking the time
1: oh you're welcome it's great to be here it's it's wonderful yeah i i've been a naturalist and historical interpret for many years as you had mentioned and i i'm currently at brecksville nature center serving as a uh, naturalist so love my job with cleveland metro parks it's a great place to work
0: We have to ask you an important question that we ask all our guests. Neil and I, our family, we're big on history, as most Appalachians are, big on traditions. One of the traditions we have, we have appetizers at the holidays. We usually have this big, ginormous spread of appetizers, bigger than the actual meal. So we wanted to ask you, do you have a favorite appetizer or just holiday dish?
1: Oh, my gracious. Oh, that's... (laughs) That's a good question. I'm not sure. I, I would say anything with fruit. You know, I'm a, just a fruit kind of guy. So I can't think of anything right offhand. But it's... Oh, do you
0: have a favorite fruit?
1: Yeah, I do. I, I love blueberries and I like raspberries. Nice. And anything with melon. I love melon. A hey, little
0: ice cream underneath them, Foster? I don't
1: know. Oh, sure. I Anything in a pie. You know, if it's a pie, I, I just like it. Now, I don't know if that's an appetizer, but I'll make it into an appetizer.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah sometimes we start with that first no big deal I'll tell you Foster do you ever freeze blueberries it's the way to go
1: yeah we do we've got a blueberry patch right down a farmer down down the road from me and uh, we used to living in Indiana we go up into Michigan and and we go collect some so we we've been all over getting blueberries and I've been up in Minnesota and different places and picking wild blueberries as well so
2: Nice, nice.
0: Really why we wanted to have you on the show. Neil and I came across the Appalachian Lifestyles Camp that you're having at the Brecksville Reservation of the Cleveland Metro Parks. It's on July 19th through 21st, and we saw that, and you're having it in Northeast Ohio, obviously kind of outside of the Appalachian region, and we were just kind of curious, and we wanted to have you on the show to talk a little bit about your background and what you do, but specifically about the Lifestyles Camp. But before we do that, can you just tell our listeners, I know a lot of our listeners don't understand the Cleveland area, the Cleveland region. Can you just let them know about the metro parks in general, what they are, and kind of the significance they have to Northeast Ohio? I know they're about 100 years old.
1: Yes, sir. Yeah, it is It is a a park system that really encircles, it's called the Emerald Necklace. It really makes a big U around around the greater Cleveland area. It's about 20, a little over 24,000 acres at this point. The land is stationed within along the rivers and creeks and, and other areas as well. There's some inner city or some city parks. Um, reservations, we call them, and, and some along the Lake Erie as well. So we, it has been around for yeah a hundred years. It's 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 tax. It's it's levied by a tax, and it's um, supported. Excuse me, by a levy, and and it's. It's just well received over over the hundred years by the public. Just a real nice diversity of woodlands and wetlands and and different uh, um, up, upland forests and and flatlands and or actually um, floodlands. I would say so a lot of good great diversity of wildlife and plants and things. So it's pretty yeah.
0: cool. It's definitely a gem for the area. You know, we have this podcast to dispel some of the misconceptions that people have about Appalachia. But I think one of the misconceptions that people have about Northeast Ohio, especially the Cleveland region, is that it's not as green. You know, that's the misconception that people have, that it's not very green. But that's far from the truth, especially when you're in the metro metro parks.
1: Oh, my God. Yeah. 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 As you may know, it's the years ago, it was called the Forest City.
0: So. Yeah, uh, I know uh, I mentioned you are an award-winning storyteller or musician. Some of your music, you play the banjo, the guitar, the Appalachian dulcimer. But just in regards to the Appalachian Lifestyles Camp, can you just let our listeners know what it is and what will the participants be doing at that camp?
1: Yeah, what they're going to be doing, what I'd like to start out with is, is, is the music end of it, because that's kind of where I lean towards. And what we do, we've, we've years ago, I found a, a kit called backyard music and they, they have a kit that, to make a really, it's a, a, a really nice cardboard dulcimer and, but it's really well, well um, made and it's done well. It's something you don't have to break the bank for the kids to break the bank, to get a dulcimer to take home and learn to play it. So what we do is we, we have the kids make their own dulcimers, and then we teach them how to play it. And then this camp is a three day camp. And so we have them bring the Dulcimer each day that they come back. And, and I have them perform a little bit for each each of the the members of the of the camp. And or they'll or they'll tell a story. And so that's a big part of that. that's the really the first day of the camp. The second day of the camp is we make a, a berry basket. We we have them fashion weave a, a basket out of really it's rattan. I wish I had some old oak splints and some other things but um and then we we have a gourd we we take old gourds we cut them in in and cut the top off and we make a, a a ladle a dipping gourd that they can they can have another piece of the puzzle is or the camp is we have them research Appalachian folk tales. And I tell a few and then their assignment is on the last day, they'll come and they'll, after they've researched us and they need to, to talk about um, or get online or if they have some books, go to the library and find some um, Appalachian tales and they have to tell it to us. And it's, it's really fun. You'll you get some of these kids are just, they're, they're wonderful.
0: <laughs> yeah, if you haven't come across the Mothman, maybe a kid will research that and oh
1: Mothman, huh? Okay, I'll make sure I look that one up.
0: Right? Yeah. <laughs> oh so just why Appalachian heritage? Really why main question that me and Neil had, why in Northeast Ohio, I guess why do you or the Cleveland Metro Parks feel it's important to teach the heritage of Appalachia?
1: Well, I, I think the part part of the one of our core missions of Cleveland Metro Parks is is really diversity, and it has a lot to do with how the people who have who moved here during the the um, Industrial Revolution back in the you know the turn of the century in 1800, and and then during the uh, Great Depression, and lots of people who began to move—African Americans and Irish and Scotch and and, and Germans—and you name it, and it. began to move up to the north, and they came to work in in Cleveland, the greater Cleveland area. And when they came, obviously, as you everyone knows, probably listening to this podcast, is is they brought their culture, they brought their ethics, they brought their hard work ethics and their and their food and their traditional arts and that has been infused into really the midwest into our culture whether it's greater cleveland or or whether it's indiana or wherever else they've they've migrated to so it's kind of cool yeah i'm
2: yeah.
0: glad you mentioned that because the the diversity because you know the appalachian region as it's uh, proclaimed by the eight, the appalachian regional commission it, it consists of 13 states 423 counties it's an incredibly diverse region, rich in history and tradition. You know, not all sub regions are the same. I hope that's part of what you'll be uh, letting the campers know. There's great history, like you mentioned, the Greeks, the Germans, the Italians, the African Americans, the Irish, the Native Americans that yeah. have, you know, placed on the heritage and history of the region. But it's also a very naturally biodiverse region. It's we've had an episode uh, on being the salamander capital of the world i don't know if you're familiar with that in the appalachian mountains but also you know like you mentioned the myths the folklores uh, the canning the quilting the uh, obviously were synonymous for steel for logging for coal a lot of things that are, are you know historically relevant to the region a lot of the things that neil and i learned from having this podcast, like the Battle of Blair Mountain, one of the largest labor uprisings in U.S. history happened here. I just visited Birmingham, Alabama, Alabama, where a lot of the civil rights history, the civil rights movement happened in Appalachia. I hope that's something that you'll portray to the to the students of the camp, along with your dulcimer making, the storytelling, et cetera.
1: Oh, most definitely. And I, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that we definitely, we do talk about the the diversity of the, of the natural, natural world, but also we use some of those natural um, materials in we, I teach them how to use, you know, cordage making out of basswood tree and out of mallow. And, and we, this year I'm doing a a new camp or kind of extend it's called Appalachian lifestyles advanced camp. We're going to teach them how to whittle. And we're going to uh, teach them how to make baskets out of uh, tulip poplar, and then out of—I um, don't have yellow birch, but we have white birch around here. So, I, we're going to make some 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 containers out of that. But yeah, it's just not just the traditional arts, I guess. But but golly, the traditional arts really connect to to the land, what you're talking about, and to to the the culture in which they they come. And I I got a DVD years ago and it's called, I can, now I can't remember what it's called, but it's called something about the Appalachian life, and it talked about how the land formed the people, and how the people formed the land, and, and are affected the land, and so it was just amazing, just kind of like what you were talking about, Will, about just how rich it is, and how the, you know, the coal, and even the, We I don't really talk about the faith that's down there, but from a personal standpoint, that's you know, talk about the great, you know, the great awakening and all those things, but um, but yeah, just the wildflowers and and the ginseng and and some of the things that you know are connecting with, and you know, I I learned a lot um, through the years through what what was you know the Foxfire books, and yeah. just those are just awesome, and just really goes into detail about. Um, how the influences, how they, they influenced um, really the Northern culture as they, they came up. And I think that's, well, that's the connection that I think I have is a lot of my friends in, in grade school, um, they were from Kentucky and, and they moved up here, moved to Indiana and, and they worked in the, the fields. They worked in, in the, um, factories and things and and when they came up they brought their music i love acoustic music and i love bluegrass and and, and folk music and i think a lot of it and i know it is it's is because of the appalachian culture when they brought it up especially the bluegrass i've got a buddy who's on a radio station i, I his name is david bowling and he, he's, he runs a bluegrass um, program down there. And I, and I, that's all I know, <laughs> yeah. but if he, anybody knows David Bowling, um, uh, he, he, he was, a, he played with Larry Sparks and he, he played with a lot of the big names when he was in high school and, and beyond played a upright bass, but it was him and a lot of other people who really influenced um, me in, into that, that music. Yeah, but- Very
0: cool. I think it's important to let your campers know, you know, people, when they think about the region, they think of mining, they think of logging, they think of steel as far as exports. But our best export uh, that we've always had are the people, you know, often referred to as the best part of the region are the people with reference, as you mentioned, to the humble and strong character that we have in the region. So I hope, hope you'll let your campers know just about that part of the region.
1: Oh yes, sir. Yeah, I I sure do, and I, I think that right kind of like what we were talking about you know, before we we went, went on the podcast is just kind of dispelling some of those stereotypes and and some of those things that um that that I think that you know every you know every culture kind of throws on other cultures, but I I yeah. you know, I, I definitely do, and I, I I have great respect, and I think that as a rep- representative of Cleveland Metro Parks, we we have you know great respect for. For many cultures, and and Appalachian culture is one of those ones that I want to uplift and 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 help help to dispel some of those for sure. There's no doubt about it.
0: As a gentleman who grew up in in uh, Indiana, Foster, and and mm-hmm. as a a guy here who grew up in the heart of Appalachia, and you alluded to it a little bit, but can you tell me what really drove your interest in Appalachia, and just maybe what's what's your favorite part? Uh, of Appalachia that you visited?
1: You know what, that's a great, great question. And I, I think I've got two major experiences that really, that when I, when I was a child, my grandparents were part of this hostels and they went down to North Carolina and they, they um, took me to a, a kind of like a, a camp that uh, kind of like a family camp. And we learned just some of the, the culture of the Appalachian area. It just, it, and this was probably, I was probably eight or nine years old, and it really affected me of how, how deep the woods are, and how kind the people are, and how welcoming they were. Then I went to part of a, a church in high school, and we went down to, I think it was Clay County, Kentucky, And, and it was, and we helped them to build and help them to, to do many things. And that, that's where we really got to know, I I think, to know some of the people and got to know the culture of that, you know, those people. And it just, it really, it, it didn't just affect me in my mind, but it affected me in my heart and just seeing how, you know, the struggles they have, but also how, how skillful they were and how welcoming they were. And those are the things that really, really helped me. And then, Will, you were talking about, and Neil, um, about you know the Native American culture and how that really infused into that. And so, so those are some of the things, that the skills that that the the you know the Scots and the Irish and the Germans learned from the Native Americans, and how it kind of passed some of those on to. To the, if you want to call it that, the, that culture too. And it was just that's always from a naturalist standpoint, that's really what I've been drawn to too. And I think probably the, the upbringing that I had, and I saw that in, in the Appalachian culture the pragmatism, the, the practical, the, how smart the people were in, in everyday things and getting, getting things done. You know, they might, you know, and I know that's a stereotype, everybody, not everybody's poor in, in Kentucky and in, in Tennessee and but, but, um, but the thing is, they just, it's, they just knew how to use what they had and use it wisely, and get get things done. And I love that. And, and that's probably what has affected me and, 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 uh, and probably more than anything, using what they have and, and doing it artfully.
0: One of the great things we talk about of traits of Appalachians is we're certainly doers. We kind of pick ourselves up by our boot, boots and and uh, make things happen. But you may be the first guest we've ever had that has admitted that Clay County, Kentucky might be your favorite Appalachian spot. Is that is that what
1: I'm hearing? Well, I'm not saying it's my favorite, but it was my first. It was my first experience of really getting to know the hills and hollers, and getting—I think—getting think, getting to know the people a little bit.
0: I'm from the the neighbor, the adjacent county, Laurel County, London, okay. Kentucky, which is okay. where I still reside. Okay. And people from Clay County are are very passionate people, and. Yeah. hard-working Appalachian so I I can't think of a better place to call your favorite
1: well I tell you it's 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 it's, it's been branded in my in my spirit and my soul from that time as a as a teenager and um yeah it's pretty cool
0: faith family and basketball in Clay County
1: well there you go <laughs> maybe
0: not in that order okay <laughs> <laughs>
1: depends on what family you come from right <laughs> yeah, that's right that's right
0: we want to ask you, Foster, you seem like a pretty humble guy. You, you know, beyond being a naturalist, you really are a musician, you, you know, especially if you go to your website and all the songs that you have written that you have that you have on there. But can you just tell our listeners how you became a naturalist and a musician?
1: Yeah, I, I will. I think I think the, probably the musician is it's something that's been kind of inside me you know it's 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 you know we've kind of been born with gifts and and uh, proclivity to uh to go certain places and I've always been interested in music my grandpa played the pump organ and he played songs about mules and cows and and things and so that I think that's (laughs) kind of a wild thing but he just kind of set that folk music inside me listen to Burl Ives and as a kid, then getting my first guitar as and, at age 15, and and like I mentioned that just having influenced people from really literally up from the Appalachian area that moved up to Indiana uh, got me g- going into folk music and and into uh, the bluegrass music, then incorporating the you know the naturalist field. I I've always been interested in the you know the frogs and the salamanders and different and things there. In I, the trees, and so I just started writing songs about it. And then, with when I came to Cleveland Metro Parks, I started doing research on the canals and and and, and the people that influenced Cleveland Metro Parks and where we get some of our names of our parks and just writing songs about that. And it just, I just wanted to, I just wanted to educate people. So writing songs and doing things, I can't say I'm a, a fantastic musician. I just have a passion for it. And, and uh seems like people have enjoyed it through the years and I'm just going to keep going, going because that's what's inside me and it's got to get out.
0: Yeah, that's great. I know you traveled around, you played a, had a lot of children's events, even in regards to your songs.
1: I sure do. Yeah, a lot of some of the nature centers. I go up into Michigan. I've been to New York. I've been to California. I've been to different places, but I've never been to Kentucky yet. So maybe, maybe Neil, you can help me get get out there.
0: (laughs) But absolutely. But I can use a good storyteller at my house every night.
1: Put your kids to bed, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) I know a few lullabies too. So there you go. Now, what, what's kind of cool, too, is, is that I, it's kind of, you might think it's kind of odd, but all the way up, I went to school in Wisconsin, all the way up on Lake Superior, and believe it or not, one of the semesters, a short semester that we had up there, we made Appalachian dulcimers. And it was part of the music, music culture up there, the music classes. And, and they in that, they introduced me, and I was 19 years old, and they introduced me more to some of the Appalachian music and the instrumentals and the fiddle tunes and, and things. So it just all along, step by step, year by year, it just like something was added to my my life that really helped me to unveil more of the, the cool things about, about where you all grew up, you know, it's kind of cool.
0: One question that we always ask every guest that we have on Foster is, is uh, always interesting for me to hear just to get different perspectives. But what's the first thing that comes to mind when you hear the word Appalachia?
1: I think of the, the hills and the hollers. And I, I, I think of my experience down in, you know, when I was a kid and I think of the, the, the rich woodlands, and I think of the, the the arts. I think of the traditional arts and the music, because that's really what dr- draws me to. It. And I think you really get to know know the people through the music and what what they value and what they what they, they, they love. I remember sitting going into one of those church, little church churches in the in in Clay County and just sitting there and, and just listening to them sing and, and preach. A little bit different than what I was used to, but but it was uh it was awesome. So those are the images and those are the things that I that I go to when I think of Appalachian. I of, of course I I it's probably everybody, maybe a lot of people say this, but I think of Ricky Skaggs. <laughs> I really do. And I think that because of he he is such a big part. And yeah, those are the things.
0: Well, and another question that we ask all our guests, you know, place is really important in Appalachia. Place is really important to Neil and I. Uh, we ground our podcast kind of on place and perspective. But to that point, we kind of wanted to ask you, as we ask all our guests, just where do you call home? What makes it home for you? What makes it unique?
1: Mm, that That's really good. Um, kind of gets me emotional here, but I, I, um, I, I, guess in you know, Indiana on the farm. I here recently have written quite a few songs about my upbringing in Indiana and it's the farmlands. It's the soybeans and the, in the cornfields and the small woodlots. And I think that's, it's the, it's the farmlands, the hard work ethic. It's, a, it's, it's Wabash County, Indiana, where I grew up in a little town, like you mentioned, North Manchester. And it's the, it's, it's that farming culture that most people can't relate to anymore. It's something you can't take out of you. And it's, and it's, it's something that will always stay with you no matter where you go. And it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's Northern Indiana on a farmland farm, remembering the plowing and the tractor, picking the stones up from the, from the fields before we replant again. It's, it's catching those frogs in the, in the, in the man-made ponds and, and, and walking through a woodlands and looking at trillium and, and, um, and blue flocks and, and it's and it just doggone singing those goofy little songs on, on the on the on the farm porch, and um, that's that's where my heart goes. Yeah,
0: yeah I, I appreciate that answer a, a great deal, and. Obviously, I think it touched out your heartstrings a little bit when, when we asked you, and I think it, that's very—it's very relatable to Neil and I. A lot of the times, how we grew up, where we grew up, is misrepresented by other people, and I think you are kind of alluding to the same thing as in regards to where you grew up, and you just don't understand unless you grew up the way that you did, the way that we did. Um, it's just hard to. Uh, describe to an outsider, someone that didn't grow up the way we did.
1: Yeah. And I, I think there's a lot of misconception. I think there's a lot of baggage that maybe we, that I have, have carried, you know, just being a Northern, Northern farm boy and, and, and you know, and maybe not having a lot of the experiences that other people have, but yet I've had experience that they will never have. And it's just something that we, that gets into your bones and your spirit, and and, um, and 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 I'm glad. I'm really glad that I'm I'm a Hoosier. I'll be honest with you, I'm glad I had that Appalachian influence in my life because I know that is is a is a big part of who I am as well.
0: Very well said, Foster. As long as you don't wear the red and white pants, I, I I'll let you. I'll let you. <laughs> You're okay being a Hoosier.
1: Okay. All right. All right. I really
0: appreciate Foster, what you're doing there, trying to educate folks in Northeast Ohio about Appalachia, about the place that Will and I grew up. And I hope that as part of your camp, you will direct them to Appalachia Meets World podcast. Yeah. If they want to continue (laughs) to learn more about Appalachia, as we have committed our focus on this show to, to just kind of gas up Appalachia. So hopefully somebody at your camp will uh, continue their uh, opportunity to learn and listen to our podcast.
1: Oh, you bet. You, you know, I will now. Cause I, it, this has been very enjoyable for me and I, and I appreciate your, your uh, respect for my, my perspective and, and also um, you good guys.
0: <laughs> appreciate it. Like, like, like Neil said, Foster, we really appreciate it. A lot of times Appalachians, are are kind of hesitant to outsiders because of a lot of the exploitation that outsiders have have placed on the region in the past historically. Mm -hmm. But just talking to you and learning more about your camp, we really appreciate, sincerely appreciate your interpretation of the region. And like Neil said, that you're teaching the history of Appalachian outside the region to people that may not otherwise get that heritage, get that history, uh, get that understanding of the region. So thank you, Foster, for what you're doing. Thank you to Cleveland Metro Parks, and thank you for being part of the show.
1: Uh, you're welcome. Thank you so much. And I'm grateful for Cleveland Metro Parks allowing me to do things like this and and shedding more light on on some good things. So you bet.
0: Before we let you go, can you let our listeners know where they can find out more about Foster Brown, and also where they can find out more if they would like about the Appalachian Lifestyles
1: Camp. You bet. Well, let's start with Cleveland Metro Parks for sure. Um, They can they can look. We're going to be opening up um, registration, I think, uh, here in the next week at clevelandmetroparks.com. And you can um, log on there, and you can look up the the summer camps, and there'll be a list of all the camps that we're doing, and, and definitely the Appalachian Lifestyle Camp will be will be on there. And um, and for for if you want to, in, you're interested in some of my music, it's fosterc.brown.com. You bet. And then you can come see me. I I, I perform at Cleveland Metro Parks, at Rexville Nature Center, and other places. Um, i'll be doing some other programs throughout the other park systems throughout the northeastern ohio this summer so just keep your eyes open ears peeled and we'll look, look forward to it
0: well will uh if i'm available i may come up to the appalachian camp sounds like uh You know, just being Appalachian doesn't mean that I know everything about Appalachia. So I like what Foster's doing, educating people and uh, talking about our heritage. So should be should be fun. I really appreciated hearing how Appalachian life, Appalachian heritage has influenced Foster's life. Even though he didn't grow up in Appalachia, he was definitely influenced by Appalachians that came from the region and kind of planted roots where he's from. It's just interesting to hear that dynamic. You know, we talk about all the time on our show that we're not all about just staying in the Appalachian region. We want to get outside the region to help people better understand our region through Appalachian eyes. And so what better way to do that, but to have an Appalachian lifestyles camp outside the region? Yeah, I think so. I'm pretty sure Foster is uh was meant to be in Appalachian so he'll uh, do a great job Yeah, and definitely. you need to attend yeah I do need to attend I need to need to register I, I, I want a guest appearance though you think Foster can yeah. make that happen no I threw that out there to him I, I hope that uh, I hope he takes advantage of your uh, your heritage and throws you in one day we'll definitely update the listeners <laughs> if I get a shout guest out, appearance shout out Foster make, make, make sure you contact Will <laughs> <laughs> Uh, One other thing I wanted to mention, the music that you heard throughout this episode is all Foster Brown. So that's music that he has written, produced. He has a CD, but I think he also plays it at several occurrences or several locations throughout the Metro Park system. Great musician as well. So, Will, I did have a uh, Appalachian Business of the Week I wanted to highlight. Yeah, definitely. I wanted to ask you about that. So can we hear it? Yeah, so because we've been talking focused on camp kind of outside of Appalachia, I did want to talk about a business that is inside Appalachia, but, you know, closer to northern Ohio, up in northeast Ohio, you know, you don't think about northeast Ohio, like I mentioned earlier, being in Appalachia, but actually back in... uh, Back in 2018, Independent We Stand named this street in Ashtabula, which is in Northeast Ohio, as their winner of uh, America's Main Street Contest. And there on that street... Uh, Bridge Street in in uh, Ashtabula there's several businesses but the one that I wanted to highlight and it's kind of a kind of a cool area there in Ashtabula but the Harbor Perk Coffee House and Roasting Company there on Bridge Street in Ashtabula is definitely a must if you're in that area go by and check them out grab a coffee sit down enjoy conversation with good people uh, on one of America's most famous streets. So a uh, small business there, Harbor Perk Coffee House and Roasting Company. You can also visit them on Facebook, check them out on there as well. Uh, but if you're in that area of Appalachia, uh, it's a must, must see. Yeah, definitely. I, I've actually been there. It's a really oh. cool historic street that this a community has really revitalized a group of con- concerned citizens at the time, got together with this idea of attracting people back to this part of Ashtabula. And they've done an incredible job with this street that they reference as Bridge Street. And just in reference to that, so Ashtabula, Ohio is known for their covered bridges. They have more covered bridges they've been, than anywhere in the U.S., they even have a Covered Bridge Festival at some point during the year. The name of the street, Bridge Street, I think plays on that. But there are really some cool restaurants, really some cool places. And Harbor Park is one of them. I know they have a ghost walk tour that leaves from Harbor Perk. So it's pretty cool. I'm glad you mentioned that. Definitely want to check it out. That's our business of the week after this episode of hearing from foster hearing everything that he's doing with the cleveland metro parks his interest in appalachian heritage and how it has influenced his life i guess we can end it like we usually do Till next time man. peace won't you
2: come down to the still, still water dip your It will satisfy your thirst, it will give you new birth. So dip your calm deep, for you never.